am the ghost of Jeremy, and I have returned to the Voiceless Podcast. Woo! Well, at least the ghost of your computer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's mean. I am blue screen from beyond the grave. Eek! <laughs> Okay, so there's this group of crows out there. Can can you take care of them? Yeah, we'll be fine in here. Okay. <laughs> yes, if it isn't obvious, welcome back to Recorder on the Wall. I'm Pete. Pete's on the moon! I just lost you guys. I'm sorry. I think I'm back. <laughs> That's Katie. That was Jeremy pretending to be a ghost, and I think we have one more. I'm Matthias, and I'm going to hide in the corner from the spooky, scary ghost. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be great! This isn't Halloween! Knock it off! (laughs) Or let me... Or Jeremy... Don't be such a weenie. (laughs) I'm not the weenie. You are the weenie! (laughs) So... Oh, man. It's been a while since we covered a book, so... Wait, 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 for books? Peach just like called me and was like, hey, you're recording now. Do it. I did? (laughs) Play along! (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Back to the recording! (laughs) But yes. um, Yeah, it's been a while since we covered a book. And yet, what happened at Bellmaker the last time? Hmm. Last time on the Bellmaker. (laughs) Or or better yet, no time you're reading us out. Previously on Bellmaker. (laughs) (laughs) Holy unlucky ships, Batman. Yeah, the Pearl Queen manages to stay afloat despite the fact that it should have been more wrecked than the SS Minnow. So. (laughs) What's the SS Minnow? It's another uh, Gilgan's Island reference. Oh, okay. Thank you. And, uh, no, they manage to stay afloat. They find some orphans. Yay, more orphans. <laughs> we always need more orphans. Bellmaker book two. More orphans. And meanwhile, Muriel and Dandon are having hijinks on the roof of Castle Flore. Or is it Floret? Floret. I forget. Or Flore. Or... No. Floret. Whatever. Yes, it's Floret. They do their shopping at Target. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But we also were at Redwall, where two sea rats were apparently in residence. One we like, and the other just kind of a douche. They're slippy and the blaggot. They're slippy and the blaggot. <laughs> but as we finally get into book three, uh, uh, those two finally, uh, their evil mastermind plot comes up. They're going to make boats. <laughs> No, just one is going to make boats. The other will nearly poison all of Redwall by bad cooking. Yes. <laughs> we Why also find out who this shadow is that's haunting them, and it's totally anticlimactic. And the shadow knows. Yes. Speaking of old-time oh. radio shows. And terrible old Alec Baldwin movies. <laughs> Gonna have to be more specific on that one. Oh. And uh, it's Ow. good news, you guys, guys, before we get sued into oblivion. So. <laughs> good 
good news is, I don't think you're listening to this podcast. This is true. So, yes, we have, in the morning, we have the Moss Babe and the Mole Maid, our two favorite Dibbins. They wake up the two sea rats in their room. Hi, wake up. You're going <laughs> to... You're going to play with us now. <laughs> yes, and I just love Jake's wordplay here. He's like, you're a carpenter. We want to see you carp. Yep. <laughs> I love that. It reminds me of uh, a bit from the Muppets. Uh, do you like duckling? I don't know. I've never duckled. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like how the Dibbins call Black uh, Mr. Black Guts. <laughs> yes. So and Blackgut also is like, hey, Blackgut, not Blackgut. Stupid Dibbins, you got me doing it. <laughs> Blackgut's like, hey, so you know where that secret treasure is? Oh yeah, totally. We'll totally build after you build us some boats. Yeah, and he makes them swear an oath. Yes. And this whole sequence just makes me think of I, I. Your name, your name, schmucks. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's about all we can quote from that movie. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> yes, I'd wager. I'd wager uh, black currants to cordial that that treasure is about as valuable as Slip's cooking. <laughs> no, actually, as we find out, it's more valuable than his cooking, honestly. Yeah. Because oh. while Blaggett is actually goes and actually we find out is a pretty damn good boat maker. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Slip is not a good cook. Not at all. And I no. love how, like, Jake's, you can, you can totally tell that Jake's thinks that bad food is, like, the tragicest of tragedies that ever tragedies. <laughs> <laughs> He just is like, and it was terrible. And everyone was like, at the breakfast table, was just like with sad faces, just like, no, oh, bad food. It was even the Abbott's like, well, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. It's like, did someone die? Not yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think I, I want to go do, do uh, some uh, picking in the orchard. Yeah. Orchard sounds good. Food. <laughs> Real food. I have to, I mean, I gotta go. Oh, who cares? Jump out the window. Yeah. <laughs> I got an anvil in the oven. <laughs> there, were, there was this fire and I was trying to save it from this baby. <laughs> yes. But, I mean, Melissa takes the bad cooking well. Oh, as yeah. in she grabs Slip by the ear and shakes him. Good lord, lady. I don't think she likes him. No. Yeah, she doesn't. <laughs> she is not a fan of either of these um, fellows. No. And you know what? This has inspired me. Next food episode, I'm going to make Skilly and Duff, and I bet it'll be better than Slips. Ooh. Interesting <laughs> challenge. That's a very low bar you have set yourself, sir. <laughs> I never said it would be very difficult. <laughs> okay. Hell, the the failed chicken soup I tried to make the other day was probably better than that. I threw in a crock pot, chicken, zucchini, garlic, and it just came out bland. Oh, those sound wow. like three good things, yeah. too. I know. Ah, say Livy. Anyway, 
Slip's punishment for ruining breakfast for everybody and forcing them to raid the orchards is to scrub all the pans. <laughs> there were no survivors. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't a pan of it. Oh, boy. So, yes, they've. we're told they get proper staff on cooking. And Blaggett, meanwhile, is, like I said, he actually, uh... He's got a pretty good boat building skill, and I have to wonder, um, especially among sea rats, you figure carpentry would be a pretty necessary uh, skill set. Yeah, I just think that everyone just beat down on him so much that he never thought that he could do this until someone was like, hey, you should build something. And no one ever encouraged him before, which is kind of sad. And not only does he satisfy these two divins, they he's like the entire... All, all of the demons in the abbey are like they want to take turns on these oars and on these boats, and it's adorable. Mm-hmm. Yes. I wonder what will totally ruin this later. Mm. Yeah. I I like though that he is just as happy as the demons. He's like, I finally found a thing that I can do because like he is aware that he's not the smartest. It's like because you know everyone's told him that his entire life. Yeah. Maybe it's the fact that nobody's telling him that. He just yeah. needed some confidence from his friends. Oh. <laughs> On what a very special friends? episode of Redwall. <laughs> <laughs> and the demons are like, hmm, we, okay, you made us boats, thanks, but we're still not telling you what it is until we practice with the boats. So, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> and, uh,. I, he's like, all right, drive a hard bargain, go for it. And then Slip shows up, and he's like, oh, did you try my skilly enough? Yeah, it was disgusting. That bread was good. Did you make that? Oh, yeah. Everything, the rest of them, they messed up the skilly enough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm thinking Slip as a Gordon Ramsay now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got the abuse down. I mean, yes. the verbal yeah, he abuse, does. he's got that down. Skilly and Duff, more like no skill and rough. <laughs> um, totally non, totally tangential. If next time you're on YouTube, the Muppets, since we were mentioned earlier, the Muppets did put the Swedish Chef against Gordon Ramsay, and it's hilarious. Oh, oh I, I have got to go see that. Yeah, I, that's, we're done recording. I'm sure the Swedish Chef is a better chef than Slip. <laughs> I mean, this oh, is absolutely. <laughs> I mean, the dude makes donuts with a shotgun. How is that not a bad thing? <laughs> well, he makes popcorn chicken by th- by making popcorn and then throwing chicken in a giant pot. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, throws like how you make it? And throws 18,000 things of popcorn in the microwave. <laughs> English Mary Birdie chocolate mousse. First we get the mousse. <laughs> Today we're cooking the chicken. A work, work, work. Back on topic. They, uh, the kids are like, yeah, we'll totally so later. Yeah. Then we're done. Done playing. Yep. And oh, and Slip, it. they need you for lunch dishes. Have fun with that. Yeah. <laughs> I love it, too, because, like, they see the shadow, and they're like, oh, God, it's the shadow. It's like, no, it's Mellis. That's even worse. Yep. <laughs> and I, I absolutely love when the Dibbins finally do show um, Blaggett where the treasure is, and... Adorable Dibbon counting is adorable. Oh my goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah. And Bla- 
Blaine obviously doesn't know that it's wrong. Doesn't know how wrong they are. He actually <laughs> just—it's like, hey, education's a wonderful thing. Yeah, look at him go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll actually happen again uh, in one of the uh, was it, like the five or six books where you have a bunch of villains being quote unquote educated by a captured hare, and he sings this rather insulting song. When we get to it, it's hilarious. It is. I love that. But before the demon, the demons lead him out to the spot, and before Blaggett can dig, because slipping isn't going to do it. So, uh, the black shadow <laughs> appears. Ooh. Yeah, it's Batman. It's Batman. Huh? Or maybe you mean Oak Tom? <laughs> or Oak Tom? I was going to say, maybe it's a, a hedgehog, like a, a shadow hedgehog. Oh. oh. <laughs> he doesn't have a gun. <laughs> I think you're the faker around here. <laughs> Got to dig fast. <laughs> but yes, they, uh, they, they eventually were going to get back to it. But before... We get Tarquin, who is still just being fun. Yeah. And... I mean, yeah, he's still day drinking and doesn't know the name of his own kids. I know. Yeah, anyone notice, notice that? <laughs> I did. Like, Tarquin, granted, doesn't he have like 40 of them or something? So... 12. 12. Well, okay. 12. It's still a lot to keep yes. track of. It is. <laughs> and for poor Rosie's sake, we're going to assume most of them are adopted. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we do get a good moment of Blaggett talking to Slip, and he's like, oh, so you found the treasure. Where is it? Oh, it's 119 steps in this direction. And he's like, 119 steps, you say? And he's like, <laughs> you can just picture him face palming, like, oh. <laughs> and then there was dramatic silence. Yes, yes, there was. But back in uh, back in Egbert's hole. Back at the plot. <laughs> yeah, back at the oh, the not cute plot. <laughs> hey, uh, you remember Rav and Muna who totally were pincushioned and totally died? Yeah, they're alive. Yep. Ah, zombies! <laughs> <laughs> and Muna Muna takes Muriel's presence really well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I have to point out an interesting thing here where Egbert's like, oh, that's Muta, you know, she or Muta, that she's their, uh, you know, the nursemaid. And I don't know who this guy is, so I call him Rudd. And it's like, how do you not know who Rab is? Like Captain right, of the right, Guard, yeah. right? Yeah, like, and he said he's yeah. been living there for a while. I do not know. I actually never thought about that, but yeah. <laughs> Some smart guy. <laughs> he's book smart not street smart yeah if i had to Maybe. guess i'd go ahead no you go ahead you probably have a more eloquent point than me i'm just like sinking in my head okay <laughs> i just pondering to myself that very question as i was reading through it and it was like well he knows the name of the squirrel king and queen but that's about it and he probably knows Muta's name by proximity to the king and queen, but he mostly stays to himself and raids the library. So 
if that's all that he has as far as quote unquote interaction with the inhabitants of the castle, of course he's not going to know everybody's name, especially if there's he's listening to conversations that he has no context for. That's a good point. Right. And also, I was kind of thinking maybe if he prefers like solitude and quiet, otters are kind of loud and rambunctious. So maybe as soon as he hears otters, he's like, oh, crap, the otters. I'm going the other way now. (laughs) They're too loud. Yeah, I don't exactly picture Rab as somebody hanging around the library pretty often. Yeah. I do love the fact... I do love the fact that Egbert apparently learned his medical skills out of a book, and I just got to think, like, oh, I finally get to use this. Hey, uh, is this bone supposed to be like that? (laughs) I'm okay. I'm not okay. (laughs) Please don't leave me with a terrible doctor. I'll explain this why why Rab can't speak. (laughs) Vocal cords connected to the arm bone. Well, then. So he has to talk by waving his arm up and down. He literally has a hand puppet that talks. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, Muriel's like, hey, that's totally Rab. And, yeah, your mate's still alive, but she thinks you're dead. So can you uh, can you respond? It's like, and nope. Uh, I do like the callback to uh, when Mariel had lost her memory and she thought she she called herself Storm, that she sympathizes with them, but she knows exactly how they feel. Yes, that is a nice continuity thing that made me happy. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, hey, Gil finally got out of the castle. <laughs> time to go raise that army. <laughs> well, time to be hitting the old dusty trail. <laughs> Here, you'll need a broom. I don't know why, but you might need a broom. (laughs) (laughs) We we do get the villains where Silvermord's like, Zoinks, Fox Wolf, we found a ghost! (laughs) Yeah, this couple hasn't gotten any better. (laughs) No. (laughs) I love how she's like, you didn't kill them right. Look, I was following procedure. What do you want from me? <laughs> Look, I set them up in this overly elaborate arrow trap and assumed everything worked out okay. As is villain protocol. Yeah. It's right here in Villain 101. <laughs> Assume all traps work. Walk away until proven otherwise. And, oh yeah, your uh, drawbridge is being attacked. Yeah. Well, it's up. What do we have to worry about? Yeah. Oh, wait, now it's down. Wait, now it's up. Now it's down. Oh, that's not good. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah someone's like, like playing with it. It's like like a t- up, down, up, down. Oh, someone realizes she still has the clicker on her belt. Oh, that's my bad. Sorry. <laughs> Keep sitting on it. You always do that with the uh, drawbridge opener. Why do you have to play with that so much? Sorry, I needed to fiddle with something. <laughs> I just like think of Homer Simpson. Drawbridge goes up, drawbridge goes down, goes up, goes down, go. Oh. <laughs> well, I'm, I, my mind ran to Robin Hood Man Tights where Prince John drops the portocollis with a clicker. Oh. <laughs> Even with the car alarm sounds. <laughs> but yeah. 
we've, we've got our new uh, metal band where they mentioned Mariel and the Slayers. I don't know, it just seems <laughs> like a, they should have their new hit single, Dead Rats. Yeah, I don't think it's right, going to yeah. go over well with that crowd. Huh? No. I, I think, though, granted, I think Muta's favorite band is the Stranglers. Oh. Yes. Mm. So that's why Rab's favorite uh, favorite song is Iris. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> but yes, they get to the Mariel and the and the and the two mute not dead people apparently get to the gatehouse. They take it over and they're like, "Hey, what is? Hey, what does that rep, uh, lever do?" Robert goes down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's and then Muta's like about to break it. And she's like, no, 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 don't break it. You know, Redwall could learn a thing or two from Castle Florets Gatehouse. I mean, it's actually defensible and it actually does something. Oh yeah, That's true. That's true. Yeah, all Redwall has is a ditch like a few feet away from the main door. Yeah, they could try. They could. They could do a moat. I'm not gonna lie. So. Yeah. I mean, in night it'd be nice because in the summer you got a pool. Just oh wait, you have the pond for that. Yeah. So yes, and then we get back to uh, we find the two foxes are listening to the one rat who had been alive in the gatehouse and escaped alive, <laughs> and he's like, "Yeah, remember uh, that badger and captain of the guard? Um, <laughs> remember those guys we totally thought we killed?" Uh, and I like how Silvermord's freaking out, and Nagru's like, I swear I killed them. It's like he's dealing with it like he lost his car keys. Like, I swear I put them over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I knew I killed them. God. And uh, Dan's like, oh, there's Muriel. I see her in the in the gatehouse. Huh. huh. <laughs> Great. So uh, can, we, uh, can we get a message to her somehow? Yep. Hmm. I can totally do it. Three shots. <laughs> and then she does it, which yeah. is amazing. Yep, Iris shoot, manages to shoot right into the gatehouse and not hurt anybody, even though, well, granted, they put a table up to catch the arrow. But she says, you could say she has a good eye for these things. Uh... <laughs> no, Jeremy, I guess I didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> didn't I didn't I watched to teach <laughs> you my pupil. <laughs> but yes they 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 managed to shoot a message saying hey hold the gatehouse and I, I'm like I have to Mario's like well, what does he think I was gonna do yeah. <laughs> you're that or it's like hey you know there we think there's like one person in there but can you hold that gatehouse against an entire army that'd be great <laughs> Yeah, it's a war, and Gale Squirrel King's coming back with an army. Yep. Hmm. Meanwhile, back at the other plot, Frog Queen is still rolling on the seas. Yep, and Fidbar and... is like, we've had good luck, we've had luck so on our side, and Joseph's like, what are you talking about? I mean, he's smiling <laughs> at this, he's smiling at the remark, but when I first read this, I actually thought Joseph was going off on him. <laughs> I mean, they're the luckiest unlucky sailors I think I've ever read about. Yeah. Because yeah. Joseph even listed off. We've been holed by rocks, we've been attacked by toads, fought off a shark, lost our rudder, had a mast stamped off like a twig, 
been chased by a double crewed shipload of sea rights, and that's besides losing the Roaring Bring Current that's supposed to take us to Southward. But at least we're not on fire. <laughs> hey, is that lightning to you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least we have food. Wait, we need to ration. Yeah. <laughs> also, why do groups traveling in these books almost always run out of food? Eh, that seems Red Bullers don't know how to ration. Oh, it just seems to be well, an ongoing because, thing. Because again, you need some tragedy, and the tragedy to Jake's is bad food or no food. <laughs> <laughs> Which Good I point. agree. I'm not saying I disagree. Yeah. Then they're like, well, we're low on food. Time to resort to cannibalism. <laughs> Which I love how they go around the list. But who are they gonna eat? Um well, the kids are the kids are too small and skinny. And then like as Rosie's walking by, what I think it was like Thatch was like, oh, well, at least we won't have to listen to Rosie anymore. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, Rosie. Oh, goodness, Rosie. No. <laughs> Darkest joke. Yeah, like Rosie's gonna go down not go down swinging. So <laughs> Huh? Yeah. Wait, so she, since she's always laughing, would that be a happy meal? Oh, uh, that's awful. Oh, I want to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be an expensive meal. It would cost you an arm and a leg. Didn't. And a couple of years. <laughs> uh. <laughs> hey, there's a, there's a hair in my soup. The hair is your soup. Wait, what? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, Tarquin's really going to take that well when you get back. So. <laughs> but yes, they, uh, but hey, uh, we're going to run out of food. Hey, oh, I love Rosie. Before we get to that, Rosie's just like, she's playing with one of the, the orphans they found. Hey, oh, yeah, you guys aren't going to eat me. Ow, she bit me. <laughs> yeah, that, that was hey. good. Cut it out. Time to eat Rosie. Oh, that's funny. Oh, what the? <laughs> oh, but hey, hey, is that shrimp? Oh, good. Okay, we're good. <laughs> oh, we found the rowing burn. Awesome. Yay. And then Figs, one of the orphans, becomes tyrant to the kitchen. Yeah. Noticed. <laughs> and as always, Figs is adorable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So. And then I even Finbar's like, hmm, shrimp. I've eaten those before. So uh, we're going to need some pepper and some hot root. And what are you guys all staring, glaring at me for? Hot root's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not actually Aren't food if it's not burning your mouth open. Out. <laughs> right. <laughs> Aren't we lucky to have all this food? Bump. What is that? <laughs> oh, land ho. <laughs> Meanwhile, back on the ranch. Yeah. Oh, they, yeah, the the Crow Queen lands and they're like, oh, where's us word? Oh, I guess we have to go kill people now. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Finbar, are you coming? He's like, yeah. <laughs> Finbar's like, what else is there for me to do with these two awesome swords? Right. So, yeah, back at the Abbey, we, um, uh, like, like I said, this is where Tarquin and he doesn't know his 12 kids. <laughs> hey, you there. Think of me. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> and then, well, speaking of names, we get Brother Fingle. Really? <laughs> yeah. Fingle? 
He doesn't sound like he uh, has been a, a brother that long. It was like a divin two years ago or something like that. Uh, probably. And while all this uh, like drama is going on at the castle and the army being raised and finally this ship is everyone's almost starving, we have the tension of a talent show. <laughs> a singing contest, no less. Yes. And I'm to- I'm to- for this, I'm totally going to put in the bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Public domain sound effect for that. Um, yes, we have a talent show, a well singing contest that Nellis apparently has a silver gold lined cup she's donating. Where did she get that? From where did you get this? Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's Badger Treasure, don't you know? <laughs> Oh, you know we're not going to show in the next book. There's no such thing. <laughs> I mean, if there was, I mean, uh, uh, an army led by two weasels might try to take Salamandastron. That'd be nonsense. Ah, that'll never happen. Wait, what's the next book again? <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> I deny everything. <laughs> no, we're saying there isn't anything there. We're not spoiling anything. Yeah, that's what I'm denying. I mean, all we for know for sure that all of that Salmanstron actually holds is drugs. Lots <laughs> and lots of drugs. We do know that hair. fact. Oh, yeah, and a hair army. And a hair army. <laughs> that's always hungry for some reason. Hmm. Mm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <Salamunchy> strong. <laughs> and, and, but uh, yes... We also get Blaggin and Slip trying to sing a terrible song that the adults literally have to pull, like, here's the hook and here's you us dragging you off stage. <laughs> right. Gee, Brian, I should you like singing. You know, for some reason, Brian's love of bloodthirsty ballads always amuses me. I mean, just wait till Hyrule. <laughs> just wait till Hyrule Lane. It gets worse. Oh, yeah. See, I don't know what Dibbins are talking about, because most kids I know who are exposed to, like, you know, an action movie are like, cool! <laughs> and apparently the Dibbins are upset. So. But yes, the, the Red Wallers pull them off with a giant hook. So. <coughs> but yeah. Melis is not happy. She's never happy. Except when she's scrubbing somebody in a tub. Yes. Yeah. And the winning song is uh, Song of the Pirate Pond Divins. <laughs> See, that's the song I wish we could have, like, heard. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> that sounds adorable. And, uh, but yes, Malice tends... We find out that this this shadow was Simeon all along. <laughs> and he was the one doing... He was the one making the beds and following the two rats and... And he knows that Slip is no up to no good, but he's just telling Melis about it now. I mean, I would have never guessed. No. <laughs> I'm Batman. No, I am Batman. Okay, Oak Tom, you can sit down. <laughs> I'm Spartacus. <laughs> but yes, uh, they dig Slip. And, well, Blaggett digs the hole because Slip's not going to do it himself. Of <laughs> <laughs> and Blanket comes up with a box and I love I love the rea- I love what that's in here and I love the reaction. The yes, Divin's like... treasure box contains 
a pawful of moldy acorns, Easy. some fragments of colored glass, faded ribbons, two hawk feathers, and a spinning top made from stone. Brian even comments, it's just the sort of thing a divin would consider precious. Aww. Moldy acorns? Really? Eh. I don't know. Maybe well, they were in deep color. Well, they were fine when they were buried, but they've been put into a not air sealed box in the dirt. So, of course, they're uh, going to get moldy. Ah, uh, yes. okay. Somebody get these dibbins some Tupperware. Right. <laughs> and I love Blaggett. She's like, ah, oh, it's not treasure. It's just, it's just these playthings. He's just like, eh, whatever. Yep. And then... Slip does not take it well. No. no. <laughs> and... Uh, kids are a little mad he uh, threw the treasure box at the wall, but... Uh... But uh, he starts threatening the kids, and Black is just like, uh, no, you will not. Yeah. We get the first instance of Blaggett about to stand up for himself, and then mm. Slip, it, Slip kicks him to the floor and then turns with his knife, and then... Oh, he slashes at Slip. Yeah. Or Blaggett, rather. At Black yeah. Oh, okay. And um, then all of a sudden he turns, and a wild Melis appears! Yep. Slip used surprise knife out of nowhere. It was surprisingly effective. Oh. Mm. It's yeah. depressingly effective. <sighs> yeah. This was a bit of a shock moment. Like, this is the second book I read, and even then I was just like, whoa! Not yeah. out of nowhere. Because, um, yeah, yeah Melis has uh, got insta-killed. And like, rolled a one of, on her defense. And in front of the children, and you have, like, the insult to injury of Simeon going, what's going on? Melis, what's wrong? And the kids screaming and crying. Yeah, I, I'm imagining this from Simeon's perspective for obvious reasons, and mm. I didn't. I don't think there was anything else he could have done. I would have done the same thing: grab the kids and go as far away from the scary sounds as possible. Mm -hmm. Yes. And then afterwards, be like, "What is going on? Yep. What just happened?" And Blaggett is he? He is actually genuinely a, a sorry for this he's like oh my god what just happened you you just killed the badger what yep. the hell slip and unwittingly he provides the context that simeon needs to understand what just happened mm -hmm. by saying that yeah and we don't we don't get to see simeon's reaction but i assume it'd be devastating for him because they were old friends like they known each other a long time yeah and he even even here black it's just like you know, he he's he does fall asleep in the moss flower because eh, they're not going to stick around. Uh, but he, yeah, he I, I I mean, yeah, he's obviously not in complete control of rational faculties, but he goes out. He's just like, we gotta run. I I don't want I want to stay, but we can't. And so it's just like, whatever. Let's get out of here. Yeah. Yep. And slip grabs the cup. Yep. And then. And, uh, yeah. And, and then just... Tarquin and Oak Tom are, uh... <laughs> we are the forest! <laughs> Oak Tom's like, I am vengeance. I am the knight. I am Oak Tom. Well, we all know what happened to the last sea rats that pissed off Oak Tom. Uh, <laughs> right. yeah. He made a special mast for one of them with a spear. Indeed. Just say, uh... Are we sure he's Batman and not the Punisher? It's more like in <laughs> Taken, where he's like, I will look for them, I will find them, and then I will kill them. 
Mm, chilling. Well, because, uh, well, have you heard of this guy called Graypatch? No? <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, meanwhile, back at the other plot. Yep. The, uh, Joseph and his crew find a hedgehog tribe in the sand, and that—that's uh, Bully, Bully and his team. Oh, oh yeah, it is Bully and his team. Sorry, and we get Bully being awesome for once. Yep, <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's a nice, it's a good feel-good moment. Uh, yeah, like... especially after what we just went through. Exactly. Yes. Kind of needed this. Yes. And, yeah, it's just basically their help raising an army. It's like, hey, uh, you want to come bash some vermin? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wait, did you say the fox? Did you say the fox wolf? The fox wolf? <laughs> I'm in. Yep. Yeah. Sounds like fun. You know yeah, what the fox the says? Fox you know what the fox says? Nothing after I hit him with my club. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they, they just add a bunch of more head... Early hedgehogs, male and female, I might add, mm-hmm. and to the ranks. And like, okay, great. Uh, so uh, let's get going. Yeah, awesome. Oh, and uh, this sigil here is this broom. Uh, I don't know why. We felt like it. <laughs> <laughs> it was what we had lying around. No. Oh, oh, I get it. We're gonna sweep Fox Wolf out of uh, out of the area. Yeah, that'll work. <laughs> and I wonder, like, and they're all looking at each other, like, why wouldn't a dagger work better? <laughs> well, we're not gonna stab him out of the country. That's just stupid. But we're but gonna kill called, him. It's called symbolism. <laughs> symbolism. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but yes, uh, yeah, bullies got more people, and he's heading back to the castle. Yep. Yay. And uh, Mario's just like, okay, Muda, rap, okay, you don't have to run out and kill them all, because I know you're impatient. (laughs) Here, play with the drawbridge for a little bit. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Hey, why isn't my clicker working anymore? (laughs) (laughs) This is like a little kid playing with the garage door at this point. (laughs) Yeah. But, yeah. The two foxes are using their archers to try shoot shoot at the people on the other side of the drawbridge in there. Uh, they's like, okay, send archers across the drawbridge. And, Good. huh, <laughs> rats can fly. You will believe a rat can fly. <laughs> well, no, they don't fly. They just bounce as they bounce down. Into the moat. Yeah. So yeah, and uh, yeah, the the foxes are taking it well. No one takes anything well in this series. No, the <laughs> fox wolf and Silvermord are actually working together properly now, which huh. shows that things have actually gotten more serious. Where he gives her instructions like, "Go do do this to drive the you know, send some smoke arrows in there, burn them out," and she's like, "Well, what are you going to be doing?" He's like, "I'm going to go out there and I'm going to kill everybody," and she's like. All right, cool. That sounds like fun. Wow, you're actually the fox I married. Huh. <laughs> Last time we acted like this was when my mother came to visit. Oh. Hey! <laughs> but 
So, but Danny's just like, oh, they're probably up to something. Yeah. I love how it takes until this point for Danny to be like, Ariel can't be in there by herself. And like, what were you just thinking? She was doing this with the drawbridge the whole time. She's been lifting weights. Yeah. A lot of weights. <laughs> Every day's arm day for Mariel. Mariel smash. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because of her uh, affinity for ropes, she hooked up an elab- elaborate pulley system that allows oh, her to harness go. potential energy. She was Mariel. secretly a physics physics major the whole time. She said like this Rube Goldberg contraption that <laughs> operates it. She's like, look, if I just swing my gold whacker at this, then this little thing moves here. And <laughs> Well, she can't tie complicated knots. This is true. This is yeah. can. I did want to point out that she started to tie herself a, uh, a new gold whacker based on knots that only she knew. And it was like, you know, good for her for learning not only how to do knots, but memorizing them. That was always the worst thing when learning how to tie knots. <laughs> right. I mean, well, yeah. Now Gail was like, oh, where did this army come from? Oh, <laughs> oh, hey, uh, so word got out that you escaped and we came because we want to kick, kick the fox wolf around. So, uh, yeah, you have an army now. Okay, yep. great. And we I get... kind of wanted to... Oh, go ahead. I wanted to see more of this. It's the the recruitment was like, "Hey, here, we're <laughs> going to see these rather primitive-looking hedgehogs," and then they come back later, and they have not just the hedgehogs, but three other armies. And it's like that would have been interesting to see. It seems a little bit too hasty to say, "Well, here we'll be recruited one quarter of our army, and then we're just going to kind of hand wave the other three quarters." So I, I called the banners and uh, offered my cell phone. Yeah, I didn't have to, you know, go and personally do it. <laughs> <laughs> what? You act like this is hard. <coughs> oh. And I got to convince the people to stand up for me, even though I totally let a complete rat, rat horde with two foxes at the head in my castle. I'm like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what? He does... Note that, like, when people are, like, bowing to him, he's like, don't bow to a fool like me. Yeah. I, I, I do feel like this, like, this book seems to have been, like, really well paced, but this section seems to kind of, like, ramp things up and speed up a little bit compared to the rest of it. Most of book threes do it, yeah. To some degree. I mean, obviously, the original the original Redwall and Mossflower are probably the worst to have those tiny book threes. So. Oh yeah, because Matt, even Matameo by that point was evenly spaced. So, mm-hmm. well, was it Mariel? Yeah, I think it was Mariel. If I well, it was just read it. Where book two was like a hundred and fifty pages, mm-hmm. and like it was the longest one out of all three. Yes. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, we have Muda using rats as melee weapons, so that's pretty cool. Right. So, so a literal rat flail, huh? <laughs> those are, maybe those of you who grew up on VG cabs like Jeremy and I did. Hey, you might get a joke laugh out of that. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, that comic apparently ended. So. Oh well, well ended. In other words, it just <laughs> everyone realized the gap between updates was actually forever. Yeah. Oh, more sad. than a, it's been more than a year now. So. Oh. So I would assume 
it's uh, dead. Mm. Anyway. But yes, they're uh, bat- using a battering ram on the gatehouse. So, and in a routine straight out of Looney Tunes. <laughs> my exact thoughts. <laughs> so, yeah, the door opens and the rats go right through it. <laughs> hey, Open that, that door. Look- okay. <laughs> Guys, back up, back up, back up. Oh. <laughs> oh, hi, big crazy badger oh god <laughs> not the face not the face <laughs> stop yeah, whipping me with my own tail <laughs> instead of uh looney tunes with wooden mallets and superficial injuries it's broken limbs and cracked spines fun <laughs> they'd like to bat them out the window too I love how one of them gets thrown out the window, and as he's flying out, he gets pegged with, like, three arrows. <laughs> oh. Well, that wasn't so bad. I just got thrown... Oh. <laughs> well. That part... <laughs> that part felt like something out of a video game. Yeah. Furman HR's gonna hear about this! <laughs> <laughs> But yes. as, as always, defenestration solves all problems. I'm sure ungat. How well did that work for you? <laughs> My back! My back! Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Egbert Discolor, I love... I, I have to feel sorry for him as much as I love this character. And I genuinely love this character. He's actually showing, you know, someone who's book smart can actually be useful even if he's not directly fighting by knowing the ways around the castle. And no one knows how to treat him because he's a mole who does not speak in mole speech normally. <laughs> right. And he, he, you could just see that his, his shoulders sink and he'll let out this great sigh and he's just like, ah. I, I do love his back and forth with Meldrum. <laughs> yes. And then his sudden reversion to regular mole speak just because he's like, fine, will this get you to listen to me? <laughs> yeah. And Meldrum's still confused. And he's like, oh, for goodness sake. It's almost like he's thinking to himself, what do I have to do to get through to these idiots? <laughs> I mean, even formal when he meets him, it's just like, huh, oh, you talk like that. Neat. Yep. <laughs> he's he's yeah. not even dumbstruck. He's just like, he just kind of yeah, shrugs. And and... Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and I get the impression it wasn't as much of an annoyance for him to talk to formal um, in mole speak. No. <laughs> well, drum's just sitting here, like, and you could, you could just see him, the 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 hand the his uh, brain is shorting out. Yeah, I do like it though, where he's like, "Don't be shy, laddie. Speak up, speak up." And he's like, "Shyness is obviously not a problem with hairs." Like he kind of like subtly insults Meldrum multiple times throughout this whole time. I love. It. But where he's like, call me educated Egbert one more time, and I will call you hollow-headed hair or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the Pearl Queen crew is just kind of chilling by a river. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Cool times. Were we supposed to be doing something? I don't know. Berries! <laughs> Where'd figs go? Figs! 
Why are you with that enormous looking otter? What have you done to your frock? <laughs> that was really <laughs> cute. <laughs> uh, so like, and Finbar is like completely fearless. He's like, are you with Fox Wolf? And he just looks at this group of 50 otters, draws his swords and goes, no. And if you're with them, I will kill all of you. <laughs> yeah. uh, that leads to an interesting point. Every time a good species encounters another good species in this book and they don't recognize each other, one will immediately ask the other if they're with, with the fox wolf. And it's like, <laughs> what in woods makes anybody think that a mouse, squirrel, or otter would willingly fight for the fox wolf? Seriously? Have you seen the benefits from vermin nature? They include dental. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, great open window insurance. It makes me wonder if some woodland creatures are with fox wolf, though, if they're asking everybody. Because otherwise they'd be like, oh, you're not a vermin, so obviously you're not with fox wolf. Also, I mean, they kind of point out multiple times, Finbar doesn't exactly always look like the friendliest of dudes. Right. And he's a sea otter in a world that mostly has river otters, so yeah. There's that, too. Yeah. So, yeah. But they like, oh, no, no, we don't serve him. So, uh, yeah, you want to go kill him with us? Sure. <laughs> that sounds like fun. Meanwhile, back at the sad plot. Mm. Oh, they very mellous. Well, we got Blaggett and Slip first. Yes. And uh, we have... S Blaggett flat out crying. Like Oh yeah. He and, was before, but yeah. Yeah. And I mean there there's one line, there's one part of it that also still shows that he's a little dense where he's like, Oh, she never tried to really hurt us. I'm like, eh, she was probably gonna snap Slip's neck. Yeah. All right. Not but, that there I have a problem with that happening, but Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that was a bad thing, but the she was never going to hurt us. You know, I did, eh. well, she you know, was I think never going to hurt us. Respect. Go ahead. Oh, she was never going to hurt us except for you know self-defense. So it's like true. You do you, I'll do right. me, and yeah. And I think like constant, she had respect enough respect for Saxus to not hurt anybody inside Redwall. You know. <laughs> She might wait till she got outside of the abbey. <laughs> well, I mean, given given the badger we first saw in the series with Constance and, you know, grabbing Sayla by the neck and in an incredibly funny scene. So. Or, or, <laughs> or picking up a giant table and threatening the main villain with it. Yes. Yeah, good thing Mellis didn't have any access to tables. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My God, he's going through the table. <laughs> And I do have to say the voice actor who played Blaggett when he is, I don't know how he did this, but he made it sound like he was just hoarse and miserable and just like sobbing. And he was, it was like really convincing. Like this is obviously someone who has just been crying so hard that they can't cry anymore. And then uh, wow. Slip That's... decides to poke the bear, so to speak, even yeah. more. Yeah. And we That's... get... Not a great plan. Yeah. We get, I think, my favorite three words in this entire book. Blaggett got up. Oh, yep. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, and we realize that Blaggett is bigger and stronger than Slip. 
And it never came across that way throughout the whole story just because of him being so submissive to him. And then finally he's like, all right, I can't fix what happened, but I can get rid of you. And that will at least accomplish something. Oh, yeah. Yep. And he even apologizes for, uh, oh, yeah, I totally had to kill you. Sorry about that. Yeah. He just (laughs) stomps towards him, grabs him by the neck, and strangles him to death. And apologizes while doing so. Yeah. Yep. He's a good person. Like, Blackett's just like this kind, like, he's a little dense, but he's like a kind soul. And Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, it doesn't seem like he was one of the more evil like even when he was with the other sea rats i don't see him as like one of those actually like pillaging and killing people and that needs brings me to my soapbox okay and then i'll have mine after you're done yeah (laughs) so one of the most constant criticisms of the series and i've even seen it termed as racism and i honestly don't agree but is, you know, the whole species equals alignment with very few great characters. Now, we've only really had one, one made, well, if you could call him major character, where that this was explored to not nearly enough degree with Outcast and Fail. I mean, we had other minor ones with, like, the annoying foal all the way back in Martin the Warrior. <laughs> and we will have, like, a whole book to explore this come Tagarung, but... Blaggett is an example of where this species equals alignment really falls apart. And it really... Again, I'm an adult reading a child series. But it bothers me. It's one of the elements of the series that tends to get on my nerves the longer I read this. Especially given Blaggett, who, if he probably didn't grow up a sea rat, would totally have been happy right at Redwall and probably would have never had to resort to something like this. But here we are, and, you know, he grew up, he grew up in Sea Rats, and fighting and scra- scratching for anything he can get is probably the only life he's ever known, so the first time he's exposed to decent creatures who aren't going to stab him in the night for some extra food, he actually takes to the life. And then when that's taken from him, he has no choice but to actually take justice, against the one guy who took all of it from him. Now, I'm going to have a lot more to say, like, probably a much longer rant when we get to Tagarung about this, but yeah, don't get me wrong, Blackett is one of my favorite characters in the entire franchise, but yeah, it definitely bothers me. Okay, I'm good. Okay. <laughs> my turn. Uh, I'm going to take a kind of similar parallel view but go off in a slightly different direction because i'm i'm rather actually conflicted about this point on the one hand he acts very honorably and we'll we'll see that here in a moment when he gets back to redwall but on the other hand he's still a rat and you see people online with wild animals that they've raised from very young age you know bears wild cats monkeys etc it it doesn't change the fact that those animals, even though they're quote-unquote tamed, they're not domesticated. They're still wild animals. It's their nature, and they're still dangerous. They're still wild. And even though Brian tended to write vermin in the same way, 
is it possible to have a rat or a ferret fall outside of these lines? Of course. But does that mean that they should immediately be given trust? Ugh. I mean, that's more complicated. Prejudice is a two-way street that must be overcome with both time and shared experience. You can't expect somebody to, you know, try to reach a hand out and have the other one immediately grab it. It's a thing that, over time, the process, people get closer and closer together until eventually, yeah, they can grab each other and say, yeah, we agree, we're in the same spot. Blaggett's an outlier here, and I'm willing to categorize him as non-threatening, but he's on a very short list of vermin in the series that can be designated as such. I mean, I think that's something that makes uh, what If You Give a Mouse a Dagger has done so intriguing with species no longer dictating alignment, but alignment is more of a characteristic of the individual. This also kind of brings in some psychology as well. Uh, you mentioned earlier with Vale and kind of who he was. He wasn't born at Redwall. He, wasn't ra he was only raised at Redwall after a certain point. The beginning of his life was in a vermin environment. Now, we don't know what kind of effect that would have had on him so young. But the question of nature versus nurture can't be truly answered in this series because it was never properly explored to begin with. It wasn't regimented. It wasn't something that you could look at and say, we're going to compare this to actual psychology and see if this would actually work. Because all of the laboratory conditions get soiled, either by the initial state, him being born in a vermin camp, or on the other side, Redwaller is not wanting to trust him implicitly. If we could get rid of that, great. We could see some really interesting things. But we don't get that. Okay. My soapbox is done. Anybody else want a soapbox on this one? Um, I thought it was just more... I think in, like, in an interview, like, was Jake... I'm pretty sure Jake's was asked about this. And it's more of... I don't think he was going for, like... You said like some people have kind of claimed like more, I guess, speciesism instead of racism in it. But I think it was more of he wanted a clear cut difference between here's the good guys and here's the bad guys. Um, and I don't think that's a problem. I don't feel like every single thing, like every single story needs to have like multiple characters of shades of gray on both sides. I think characters like that are good. And I do like seeing differences and characters on like characters acting contrary to how previous members, maybe if their species in this or just their group have acted. Like it, we have Blaggett in this one, and on the opposite, in Martin the Warrior, we had um, oh god, what was the vole? The Droop. like, huh? Droop. Droop. We had Droop the vole who was claiming like, oh, I'm on my own side, but he was pretty much on Badrang's side. And so we do get moments of that, of like the quote unquote good guys turning on the good guys. Or, and she, apparently it's usually a vole, honestly. 
Um, and we also get the birds, like any bird species in the series, that's kind of usually on their own side as well. Like they seem to be the most neutral of them all. Like they'll sometimes they'll help the heroes. Sometimes the heroes have to earn their help, kind of like with Captain Snow in the first book or with a, uh, I don't want to jump ahead too much, but in Salamandastron we have a, a bird character like that, that where they kind of need to earn his trust or earn his help. Um, but I don't really have that much of a problem with like, oh, this series always has just black and white on both sides. Like, I'm fine with that. To like for the most part, I mean, I do believe there are some problems throughout it. Like obviously, we discussed ad nauseum about Outcast, with the problems in that one. But it's I don't know. I don't always agree with the well. All these other series do it differently. It's like yeah, they do their own thing, much like this does its own thing. Um, and honestly, a lot if you look back to like the cartoons or TV shows, or, like action shows that we watched or like checked out when we were kids you didn't see this that much in you didn't see shades of gray all that much in those like the most notable one i can really think of that actually did this among children's shows was like beast wars with the character dinobot where he was kind of like a shade of gray in certain points and it was more of he had honor and so he fell in line more with the heroes than anything else but then you also have stuff like the original Transformers show where huh. I think there was like one Decepticon, Jetfire or Skyfire, um, who switched sides. But it was only because they say that at one point he did follow the Decepticons because he thought they were noble and then eventually sees that they've been twisted. And is like, oh, you're not the group I want to follow anymore. And so like I'm fine with series having that black and white look and i do like it when there's shades of gray when there's mid middle things in the when there's that middle ground but i don't think every single thing needs to do that and i do like blaggett and i think it when you do things like blaggett where he's more of a one-off case it makes it stand out a little bit more and yeah i think that makes this more impactful that we have this sea rat that has become like a good guy quote unquote um and you know switch sides if we saw this in every single book i don't think we would remember blackett as much yeah and i mean i think what this comes down to is like i mean it's it's a children's book so it's not going to be as complicated and nuanced and I think Jake's intention was just to tell a good story. I think that's what he said in his interviews. And he would probably be maybe a little bit annoyed that we're like picking this apart on a podcast. <laughs> but you know what, Jake? That's what you get when you put stuff into the world. But <laughs> You're overthinking it. But, I mean, you're right. He probably would <laughs> yeah, say that. But, you know, I mean, it's just, you know we can talk about what that says about Jake's as a person that, you know, he does this black and white type thing, or we can just say, Hey, you know, it's a children's book. He's trying to tell a good story and he wanted to have like this black and white. These are the good guys. These are the bad guys. And sometimes he'll throw in, Hey, this can be different, but not very often. So I don't know. I, it, it's never really bothered me a lot until like this read through of outcast actually, when I was like, Hey, this isn't working, <laughs> but it didn't bother me in this one. Yeah. I do think Outcast. I think it's because Outcast tried to go to that Shades of Grey route and just didn't 
go through with it correctly, didn't go about it the right way. Um, I think that's why Outcast had, like, we had more of a problem with Outcast than with this one. Because, like, in this one, it was just like, oh, Black, it's just kind of like a good-natured guy. Whereas in Outcast, it was, well, can this ferret actually live in with Red Wall Society? And it's like, no, he can't. It's like, yeah, because there's like a million different reasons why that didn't work. And part of it was all of Redwall was like, no, he's scum. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a point worth bringing up. We, I'm not asking for a Redwall series that it takes the extreme opposite end where it actually deconstructs, you know, the black and white goodness into what medieval life would probably been like, AKA game of Thrones. But, this is all worth talking about because that's hey that's what we're here for we all right exactly and i want to make it clear that it should be anyone i have on this program we love this series there's a reason we've come back to it we're not taking this out apart out of malice we're just because we will we do want to bring up stuff that bothers us from time to time and we're adults looking at a kid series Mm -hmm. i mean it's a case of we care about it so much. We're thinking about it so often that these questions come up and we say to ourselves, hey, why is that like that? Or <laughs> if this was something else, would it be different? Would it make a difference? Would it affect how I feel about the story? We care, so we overanalyze. We Indeed. overanalyze because we care. yeah i I think that's also like why i like checking out like directors and writers commentaries on movies or if people like when the writers of certain things kind of like speak out about something or bring up stuff or when they're asked specific questions and they answer it like oh did you mean to go about this way and they say like no this is what we intended or if they say yes good catch on that yep as we kind of mentioned, Blaggett, does anyone else have to say on that? Sorry. I think, uh, I think I'm done. Blaggett yeah. is awesome. I mean, yeah. yeah. He he comes back to the Abbey, again, showing his actual inner character. He knows that he could probably, if he gets back, he might actually, uh, Oak Tom might want to have words. Mm-hmm. He comes back, but he comes back anyway. Yeah. And he even just kind of stands there and says, Feel free to judge me as you see fit. Yeah. Not in those words, because they, a couple of those might be too long for him, but, you know. Yeah. No, he's just like, that's it. I said I said my stuff. You can kill me now. Yeah. And, and Saxus even says, he's just like, no. Um, what have, he turns to the two Divins that he's been helping this whole time. He's like, what would you have me do? Mm-hmm. Like, don't kill him. He makes good votes. Yep. And And I just got to say, I think Saxus, like, I think this is his first big tragedy that he's had to handle as an abbot. And I think he does a really good job. Like he just says, Melis is talking to me and she's saying, you know, there's still work that needs to be done and fun that needs to be had. And I just thought it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah. I I like it because they show that at first he's kind of going around as like kind of almost on autopilot because he's so distraught, but then realizes like, no, I'm the abbot. I need to stay strong for everybody else. Mm-hmm. And it shows like he's grown since the last book and he's earned the position that he's in. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. 
I mean, it's kind of obvious. When all of us go through grief, autopilot is kind of what most people do. Yeah. Like, you oh, just yeah. shelve your feelings until you can process them later kind of yeah. thing. Yep. So. I mean, when I lost one of my best friends a couple months ago, I just started doing all the stuff. Like, when I found out, I was like, okay, I got to get this done before I book my flight. I got to get this done for work. I was just, like, doing all the stuff. I was packing. I was like, wow, I should really be more sad than I actually am. But I was. I was just, like, in total shock and just doing things <laughs> so it's very weird yeah like i'm not gonna go into detail about it but a few years ago i got some bad news about something and after i got off the phone uh my mom looked at me and she said what do you feel and i just looked at her and said i want to ruin my effing dinner and just went and ate like chocolate <laughs> i'm like yeah. no i'm not gonna i just want to do something to distract myself now Mm-hmm. but it's thankfully, Blaggett, is he's grateful that, A, they're not going to kill him, but when they offer, hey, you could still stay here, he, he politely declines. Like, look, I appreciate the offer, but I can't. Yeah. Wouldn't feel right. Yeah. Which is super sad. Darn it, Slip. You ruin everything. <laughs> like, he could have stayed there eventually. He, could, he maybe could have eventually found a home with them, but he can't now because it's, like, traumatic for him. Like, this is where it just went wrong. Yeah, I do like it, though, that Oak Tom, like, immediately after, like, admitting that Blaggett wasn't at fault, he, like, kind of takes his side and sits down with him, and he and Tarquin are like, yeah, we'll help you find a new place to live, and Blaggett's like, oh, are we gonna make some food, and Tarquin's like, oh, Oak Tom is a terrible cook. Uh, Brother Mallon, get over here, we need your help. But yeah, they, they basically, they wish him well, they give him food, they give him tools, and he agreed he's going to go live on the beach on the sea and build his own boats. Yep. And the babies are sad. Poor babies. Yeah. yeah. But it's not the first time we're going to see, uh, it won't be the last time we see him, rather. Yeah. Yeah. He'll be back. Mwahaha. <laughs> And they, the Red Wars even send Oak, Tom, and Tarquin uh, to go help him build a house. So, I, I actually would love to see that sequence of them trying to build a house together. Yeah, I don't know. Do they get along well? I, I actually don't know. I mean, maybe they would butt heads a little bit. Yeah, I could see that as like a Three Stooges routine. Yes. Let me guess. They settle on a cave because it's easier than trying to put up four walls together. <laughs> yeah. They put up like this ramshackle thing that they're like, ah, now this is a house and it just falls over. A cave looks Yes. <laughs> but, and we have to go back to the action plot. When you chapter did. three. Muta pulls a Donkey Kong and throws a barrel at people. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 33 has the Fox Wolf in his artwork. And, uh, yeah, other than how it's perfect, are they? I gotta say, uh, yeah, buddy, I, I, I don't, I don't get why you kept the skull. Is, is that uh, the one where it looks like he's lying down on a bunch of spears? It is, yeah. Yeah. I always found that one weird looking. I was, when I first saw that, I was like, do they kill him in this chapter? No, unfortunately. So. But yes, he he runs and takes his troops out to meet the gathering army. Is it invasion time? I think it's invasion time. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> and then Muriel deliberately raises up the drawbridge so he's locked out of his own castle. <laughs> <laughs> Silvermord! I lost my keys again! <laughs> I told you to take the remote! It's not working! <laughs> Did you put new batteries in it? No, well, go to the store and pick some up. Can't you slip me in? Not, you're never going to learn that way. Also, pick up me yes, ice cream. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I feel his pain. The number of times I have locked myself out of my office at work because most of my slacks have ridiculous tiny lady pockets that my keys don't fit in. These <laughs> need pockets, too. They're not just for gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I've anyway. I know I know more than a few women who buy men's jeans because you know they have pockets. So <laughs> yeah, I can't wear jeans to work, unfortunately. <laughs> Actually, it's funny. Um, the creators of the show Ruby, most of the main characters are women are girls, and they said they purposefully made the character designs with pockets because they knew people would want to cosplay as them. And they're like, okay, we know how tough it is to have pockets when you cosplay. Yeah. Anyway, ridiculous tangent brought yep. to you by me. <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, yes. right when they do lock the drawbridge, um, fire alarm. And it's not a drill. Uh, yeah. Well... Silvermun's best, uh, Silvermun's, Silvermun, whatever her Silver name is. Silvermord. Silvermord. <laughs> her best solution is she's going to smoke the people out of the gatehouse. And it works! Because, uh, hey, didn't we have a mouse mate with us? <laughs> Oops. Uh -oh. <laughs> I know, the way you paused that was Silvermord's going to have a smoke. <laughs> well, I just can't deal smoke. with this. She's going to smoke. Them out of the gatehouse. <laughs> I mean, that might calm her down a little bit. She seems a little high strung, you know. <laughs> a, yeah, she kind out. of is. Just like, oh, this is so much better. Weren't we supposed to be doing something? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, she is shortening her life expectancy. <laughs> Just not from the cigarette. No. <laughs> uh, and, but, we do get all three of them are like, well, can't hang out here. Might as well kill some horde beasts. <laughs> yeah, sounds like fun. Yeah, and I do like while well, Nagru is out with his team and he's like, dead beasts never come back. And his Captain Blade Tails thinking, well. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but he wisely keeps that to himself. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, yeah. Egbert's still leading people around the, the castle because, hey, it's a good job. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Yeah. And Foxwolf is like, who threw an oat cake at me? Who throws an oat cake? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> and I don't think it's an oat cake, sir. It seems like it's some kind of stone. <laughs> and then... Charge! Oh, there's another army. Oh yeah, I knew that. Well, I like how calm and calculating Foxwolf is, because he sees an army charging at him, and he's like, oh, now I gotta deal with this. Yep. 
I want something done right. <laughs> and then there's this guy. Yeah. The impressive thing, though, is that his troops are actually properly drilled and able soldiers. I mean, they beat Kotir any day of the week. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I... Sarmina could, cannot be argued that she didn't equip her troops well, but... <laughs> I would like to see Fox Wolf, the what would result between Fox Wolf and his team and Badrang and his group. Because Badrang, I think, until this point, he was the most competent leader out of everybody. Right. Hmm. Now hmm. I'm just picturing all the villains meeting around a table for like a strategy conference. It's <laughs> <laughs> amusing me. Yeah. Ungatron's suggestion is always throw people out a window. Yep. Clooney's like, well, I could whip them with my tail. <laughs> and Sarmina's like, is there water around here? <laughs> Schwartz says, yeah, just follow them around. Hopefully you can get an opening, maybe. Try poison. That could work. We're not sure. We're gonna see It'll us. probably fail. Schwartz's like, we could poison their drinks. I'm like, oh, God, not the poison plan again. <laughs> <laughs> and Badring's like, well, why don't we just build our own base? And if they come to attack it, we kill them. And they're like, where are we going to get people to build this base? Well, you could all work for me. <laughs> Nagru's like, <laughs> Nagru's like, did I ever tell you how I got this wolf skin? They're like, yes, Nagru, like a thousand times. And then Silverman's <laughs> like, actually, he just found it in the woods. And he's like, shut up. Vila <laughs> Jasker brings in all his slaves and he's like, well, I have these guys, but you got to give me 33% of the profits off the top. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Gabool's like curled up in a corner, being like, "The badger, the badger's coming for us, man. He's he, he's driving <laughs> into my mind." And Clog is like, "I'm just gonna wait till you guys all die, and I will dig your graves." <laughs> <laughs> and there's Slagger Someone... offering them to sell them more slaves. <laughs> yes, yes. Slagger's yes. looking at Gabool and be like, "I'll have what he's having." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Can somebody please write this? Please, yeah. that'd be fantastic. <laughs> anyway. Oh, man. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. What was happen I, happening again? Oh, Rab and Iris get to hug. Yay! And we also get the great moment of locked doors did not stop the big badger. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's not like a slogan for every badger ever. Yeah. They're like, that door is locked, Muta. Just like barges through it. The door's not locked anymore. <laughs> the door's not a door anymore. <laughs> like, we needed that. And not Muta, exist. Muta picks it up. And it's like, I found the door for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and we get the, I think this might be the third time of Silvermord's like, you. I need you to take a message to the heroes. <laughs> oh, yeah, because that works so well. Yeah, we all know how well that turns out. Ow! <laughs> and he just kind of struggles back. What happened to you? Mouse made with a rope. Yeah. Uh, and everyone looks like, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mouse made with a rope. That says everything in four simple words. Yep. <laughs> yep. And as Silvermord gives the order to take them out, all of a sudden, 
bam! You just got knocked the uh, thatch out <laughs> by Joseph Staff. Yes, she did. Yep. And, and thankfully, she still survives. Well, for her, anyway. Thankfully yeah. for her, she still survives this. I, I do love the reunion moment of daughter, father, Danden, sir. Yes. Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, in the audio book, too, because it's like, daughter, father, Danden, sir. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. Uh, hi, not father-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, what have you gotten my daughter into? Oh, come on, you know her. She got me into this. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, yeah, they got reuni re reunited again. Huh. Yay. Didn't we just do this? <laughs> <laughs> Joseph's like, how come every time we reunite, we're killing people? I don't know. Whack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Well, you got me there. <laughs> Um, and we get Roof trying to be the hero, and poor Fatch. Oh, I know. This is mm. so sad. Name side characters sacrificing themselves. Who'd have thought? <laughs> mm. Yeah. But then we get a good payoff of Silvermord running for her life, going like, can't sleep, Badger will get me. Can't sleep, Badger will get me. Oh, God, there's the Badger. <laughs> and then Rab pops out of a door. Found you. And, <laughs> and as Muta goes to kill her, Silvermore's like, well, might as well jump off the ledge here. She leaps away. And uh, belly flop. Yep. <laughs> and there's two, three of her rats holding up science to say like two, three point, point two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Rab's like, ha ha. It's Rab's time to shine. <laughs> Perfect hands. Yeah. And I love it. He dives in, and the next thing is just bloated corpse floats to the surface, and Muta's like giving him the thumbs up, essentially. Hey, I wanted to do that. Waving like, hey, dude. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do we do now? Hmm. No, no. Yeah. Somebody looks out the window, it's like, huh. There seems to be a massive battle taking place there. Huh. Should we go kill the Foxwolf? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought you'd never <laughs> ask. <laughs> I love at one point, too, because Joseph's like, wait, where's Muriel? It's like, I'm pretty sure she's already charging into battle swinging the rope around. Aha! <laughs> I love it how at some point that they find Rosie and she's like lost and she's like, oh man, did I miss the fighting? <laughs> <laughs> She's always good for the comic relief. Yep. Yes. <laughs> Was I late? Indeed. Yes. I do like how during the battle she kind of gathers the, the younger kids to her and kind of watches out for them. Yep. Oh, hey, Egbert, you can babysit. <laughs> yes. I love how every moment it looks like Egbert might have to take part in a battle, he starts like, you know, I, I probably have other things to do. It's like, yes, you can go do this. Oh, thank God. Yes. <laughs> he, he seems a bit flustered when he first meets uh, Joseph and uh, company. <laughs> yep, and Finbar. And so it's like, 
I have to wonder with uh, all this sudden uh, activity he's being forced into, if he didn't suffer a little bit of head trauma. <laughs> yeah. I had, had to bring it in. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not sorry. <laughs> well, I love how he says the name Marielle, and all of a sudden Joseph grabs him, and he's like, okay. Um. <laughs> he's like, Joseph was the calm one. He's like, can you help us? Well, I was helping Mariel. Mariel? What? And he's like, lifts him up, and he's like, where is she? <laughs> Mariel, why did you say that name? <laughs> <laughs> where are they? <laughs> You know, sometimes on the show, it's more fun just to sit back and let you guys <laughs> do all that. Oh, I mean, it's a ton of fun to do. Yes, yeah. it is. Oh, and then we get... Uh, have I mentioned on the show that I love cavalry charges? Because I do. <laughs> I don't know if you have, actually. Oh. Cavalry? Like, cavalry, or cavalry charges. You know, where it's like... They called in the cavalry, and all of a sudden, like, all the heroes jump in during, like, the death moment and turn the tide. Uh, this yep. would be, re Day well, yeah. Cavalry is traditionally horseback, so. Yeah, it's like, it's the cavalry, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're going to get a big one of those in uh, the Long Patrol. Indeed. In Martin the Warrior, they tried doing that, but then it didn't work out too well. His badgering was like, Oh look, there's more. There's more of them. Well, I still got my walls, and I can still shoot them. So, all right. Yep. But yep, yeah, and I love it because they're saying like Fox Wolf's team, Fox Wolf's captains are like, all right, we're gonna get the jump on them in three, two. Why is there a spear sticking out of my stomach? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's fashionable, and why do I? Why can't I feel my everything? Oh. <laughs> well, well, don't you know, in order to gain the power necessary to defeat the big bad, you have yeah. to either sacrifice yourself, sacrifice someone you love, or some combination of the two on a sliding scale that leads to some great sacrifice that you can never reclaim. Well, that doesn't sound at all fun. Mm. Everyone looks at Finbar. So yeah, the, I'm I'm kind of condensing this here, but eventually, yeah, Fox Wolf, all his troops are kind of surrounded on all sides by uh, not only the Gale Squirrel King's forces, but Joseph and Mariel and all them. And uh, hey, uh, Finbar, have fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I do like it too, because Fox Wolf takes one look at Finbar and is like, I don't want any of that. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, he saw him swing his swords around. Finbar throws the swords away. Why? It said that he didn't have enough room to use them. So he's just like, I don't need these to kill you. Oh. And he didn't. No, but... It, it, to be fair, nothing Fox Wolf does actually does really, like, actually kills him. As Finbar is, like, beating him up. He's like, someone killed this sea, this sea otter! And he takes a spear through his back, but doesn't care, and continues to tackle and beat up Foxwolf. 
then picks him up and uses him like a battering ram and slams him headfirst into a tree. See, if he would have taken off that wolf skull, maybe he wouldn't have died. (laughs) I I think if if he didn't have that on, Finbar were like, oh, that didn't work the first time. Slam, slam, slam. Right. (laughs) Maybe that's probably true. It might have just taken a couple more slams into the tree. I just want to read from that section. With a sickening thud, the mighty sea otter ran his opponent's head on into the unyielding trunk of an oak tree. (laughs) Unyielding trunk. Yes. Well. And, uh, Yep, because remember that whole thing that Jake set up, like in book one, where Ergen Ur- really shouldn't be wearing that wolf skull on his head? Yeah. Because uh. <laughs> the wolf's fangs go into his brain. And that's the end of that. Yep. Um, and I gotta say, like, Finbar, um, it's, a, it's a lovely heroic moment, and, like, Obviously, it was a very noble thing that he did, but I just I wasn't as sad about this particular death as I was about other ones because it, it seems like this is kind of what he wanted. Like he wanted to be with his family again, and his family was killed, and he was just doing what he loved. Mm-hmm. That and he didn't really have a whole lot of story development up to this point. What are his characteristics? Well, he's a sea otter. He's got one eye, two swords. He's got a boat that he recaptured, and he knows a lot about the sea, and he can do sea shanties, and that's about it. It's like, what what other investment have we been given to care about him as a character beyond just, yeah, he's the cool guy? I liked him. Well, yeah, I liked him too. I'm just saying, I I wasn't super like I wasn't super broken up about his death because it just seemed like it's it was what he wanted. Yeah, I I had. For me, the first when the first time I read this book, I didn't remember. I didn't take away a whole lot from it. Unfortunately, this was the only thing from the book that I clearly remembered when I started reading it a second time. So, oh. like the minute Finbar showed up, I was like, "Wait a minute! Doesn't he die at the end?" And yeah, yeah. and I don't know. It his death kind of felt really sudden, and for me personally, it just kind of felt like salt on the wound after Melis. Yeah, definitely. But uh, oh, and for a least... bit of uh, oh, sorry, for a bit of I'm kind of I was kind of a dumb kid. The first time I read these, like he essentially it's him picturing himself sailing away in the Pearl Queen. I thought that was literal, and I was like, oh. "How are they getting back?" Oh, no. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I mean, it. Yeah, we at least get his final words. That's nice. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, uh, what do we have now? And everyone's just like, huh? Well, Foxwolf is dead. His wife's dead. Mm-hmm. Party. Yeah. <laughs> it's a red wall feast. <laughs> <laughs> but this isn't red wall feast anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. And everyone's like, what do we have here? A dead fox wolf? This will look lovely taxidermied and placed in Great Hall. Maybe we can use it for a cloak rack. 
<laughs> I needed a new rug. <laughs> wait, wait, no, that's two rugs. Oh, <laughs> uh, the other one's waterlogged. There we go. Did notice this was? Yeah, that might not work so well. I think this might have been the first one where it didn't feel like they were building up a specific hero to take out the main villain. Like in Redwall, it was obviously Matthias. In Outcast Redwall, it was obviously Sunflash. In Ooh. Lord Brocktree, his name is the title of the book. I think we know knew where that was going. Um, Martin the Warrior and Mossflower, we knew it was Martin. In Mariel of Redwall, it kind of gave us that which one is it? Because Mariel's name is in the title, but multiple characters seem to have like a reason to kill Gabool. In this one, we definitely have multiple characters don't like and hate Foxwolf, but we didn't really have a specific character being built up to face him. Right. There and was then, no... And then, I was going to say, in oh. Matameo, it was Slagar, and it was either probably Matameo or Matthias that we thought were going to take him down. Yeah. In this one, there was no big warrior with a grudge. There were people with grudges, there were warriors, but there was no overlap between the two that would say, okay, yeah, I have a big enough reason and I have the motivation to go and end the fox wolf's life. Mm-hmm. So... This pretty much wraps up, and, uh, oh, yeah, and there's still Morning Fatch and Vinbar, and, uh, eventually we find out what happens. Oh, we, Joseph's just like, well, this kind of place is kind of cool, and, uh, you guys totally need a bell, so, uh, yeah, I'm staying. <laughs> Gail's like, how am I gonna, wait, bell? What? I don't really need a bell. You need a bell, dude, come on. How am Look, I gonna I'm very this? bored, okay? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Look. It's in the title of the book. I gotta make a bell at some point. Right. And I like how everyone at Redwall just assumed that Joseph died and freaks yeah. out. And yeah. Mariel's like, I, I, I'm trying to, okay, fine, just freak <laughs> out. I'll wait till you're done freaking out. Yeah, Dad's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know him. So, yeah, we, oh, they go. make it back to the, uh, make it back to Redwall and, uh, yeah. Hi, Han Rosie's like, oh yeah, 12 kids. Dang it. <laughs> okay, I'm back. Oh, and their coming and their coming was foretold by Blaggett. Yep. Yes. Oh yeah, hi Blaggett. It's like, uh guys, the uh, Pearl Queen's back and they're heading towards you, and I think they're okay, but uh I, I totally hid from them because I didn't want them to kill me. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, and I kind of like how they're like, Simeon's like, I can always, you know, I always know when he's approaching before other people because he smells real bad. Real, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> he immediately then is like, but I can forgive that because he's so good hearted. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, seriously, though, he, he kind of stinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sexist asks, how do you know it's him? And he's like, that one is a stranger to bathwater. I always <laughs> smell him before others can see him. But don't tell him that. One can forgive a little ripeness for a creature with a good heart. <laughs> oh, the Dibbons hear that or else they'll be like, well, we shouldn't have to bathe either. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Melis isn't there to do it. True. Aw, mm. man. You just made me sad. Also interesting to note, this is the first time a feast has ever been referred to as a party. Oh, 
Interesting. I don't know. I just I found that to be a little unusual because it's always it's a feast, it's a celebration, it's a time of remembrance, and the Dimmers are like, party, party! There's going to be a party feast. And it's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yep. But yeah, the the book ends, and then we find we goes all the way back to our. Uh... Our epilogue, and we have the older old people. I totally forgot about the prologue. <laughs> we have old Dury and old Roof. Yep. And yes. They show. I, I like the fact that, like, hey, we can show you Finbar's swords, and I thought that was nice because it's kind of rare for weapons other than Martin's sword to be kept around or referenced in, like, quote unquote, the future. Granted, they're never mentioned again after this book, but... Right. <laughs> yeah, it's still nice, at least in this moment. And I, I do have to question, though, where one of the kids was like, did the did Redbull ever get another Badger Mother? Wouldn't you know if they had a Badger Mother? Yeah, unless it was like, well, yeah, there was that one who stayed for like two seasons and then got tired of all you crazy kids, so then left. So, you know, <laughs> technically... <laughs> You drove her insane, so, you know, she pulled a Mary Poppins. <laughs> yeah. So that's where Craig comes from. She was like, I have to go now. My Salamandastron needs me. <laughs> but yeah, they, in instance, it's all happy. And oh, we do find out what happened to Mary and Danden. No, they didn't stick around either. They stay there for a couple seasons and they're like, we're out. Yep. <laughs> and they we're take some sailing. Brooklyn and we're just going to sail wherever we want. So just the two of them <laughs> work that giant ship. Okay. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they took a crew with them because that'd be pretty hard. Hard work. <laughs> what they didn't mention is they came back half a season later and went, we sunk it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, oh, and Joseph apparently came back too. So yeah, and and Blaggett, and yeah. But yeah, we that's ends the bowmaker. Yay! Yay! Yeah, this is still a good book, and yeah. all things considered, I think I like it better than Mariel. I think I still prefer Mariel, but I do like both of them. The villain's more compelling here, more fun, but Gabul doesn't do much either. Um, I'm conflicted. On the one hand, I think I like Mariel better in terms of the characters. I like some of the story elements that get brought in here. It's definitely different than it used to be in the series and would be ever since. Because, I mean, the number of stories that say, okay... Here's Redwall. Now we're going to transplant our characters to somewhere else entirely that is not a sea epic. Is It's incredibly small. It's odd. So I enjoyed this more than I remember liking it, but the end still felt kind of flat to me because, I mean, granted, I probably read it a little bit faster than I should have, but the last six or seven chapters they just flew by way too quickly 
and they had very little substance in them. It's like the the last battle should take at least two chapters, and it felt like it took one. You know, I I agree on that. I felt I also felt like the last section, like the Redwall crew arrival, and then the action build to action to full on war in Southward was pretty quick. Like we had some good moments, but it yeah this last section of the book did feel a little rushed um i feel like i like this one more like the like the older i get like i remember the first time i read it i was like a little i remember i was annoyed because i liked martin the warrior and i thought this was a sequel to it and it totally was not in you know not a direct sequel mm-hmm. um but the more i've read it over the years like it always has like this different feel to it and it has a lot of differences to some of the other books like Martin is barely in the book. Like, they reference him at the beginning, but we never actually get, like, a full scene of him talking to somebody in, like, their sleep or as, like, a spirit or whatever. And that is Martin, true. And um, Martin's sword is nowhere to be seen for the entire story. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And they don't even reference it at any point in the story. That's the case for Outcast too, as well, right? Um. Yeah. Yeah. No, his uh, sword is definitely not mentioned in Outcast either. And we also get like we get a lot of different stuff. Like I liked the scenes where it was just the Southsward characters, like Gale, like building, a, you know, talking to his army and everything. And it was like, oh, you know, it feels like this place is going through its own story, and the Redwall characters are there to help out. Mm-hmm. So no, I and you can tell that Jake's had a heck of a lot of fun with the parts out on the sea, like riding oh, yeah. the ship and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, that just leaves what next? Salamandistron, and then we're going to get into summer proper. Yep. Which, growing up, that was my favorite book for a long time. So. To see if it yeah, still is. There are a couple things that have that book that just shocked me. I was like, whoa, that just happened. So I'm excited to talk about those. And all the badgers. Like the most badgers per book. Badger, badger, oh, yeah. Badger, badger. <laughs> Darn it. I was going to make that joke next time. <laughs> <laughs> mushroom, mushroom. <laughs> I was waiting for that. <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, uh, as always, folks, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Wonderful to be here. Indeed. And uh, they, people can find us at frustrated. No, no, no. <laughs> do you want me to do it, Pete? <sighs> okay, fine. <laughs> Jeremy does it better anyway. <laughs> You can find us at recorderonthewall.com. We are on iTunes and Google Play podcast. We are on the Eulalia subreddit. We are on the official Redwall forums. We have our own Twitter account at ROTWpod. We have a Gmail address, ROTWpod at gmail.com if you'd like to contact us. And yeah. Review us on iTunes. Yes, totally do that. 
give us five stars. We deserve it. We actually do have a couple of reviews now, all fives, and I'm like, oh, oh, wow. Awesome. Woo. Well, okay. Thanks again for all coming on. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. So long, all. Hey, folks. Papa Abba Pete here. Real quick before we go out, I wouldn't want to forget, we have Adam with our correspondence section. Adam? The Bellmaker is a great book. The final battle was excellent, and the deaths of Silvermort and the Foxwolf are very good, and the conclusion to the Redwall plot with the Sea Rats was great. The Redwall plot was the part that stood out in memory of my first reading. I liked that Blackgut enjoyed Redwall life and found that he had a skill in building boats. It was great that Brian Jakes wrote a character on the bad side and then got to see life from the other side, and finally he decides he doesn't have to be evil. I like that the Shadow turned out to be Simeon being Daredevil again. Gotta love how he didn't tell anyone what he was doing or ask someone else to keep an eye on the sea rats. However, my memory was not so great when it comes to character deaths. I remembered each one only shortly before they happened. Blackgut and Slip are making their escape and they're stopped by the mouse babe, and then Malice leaps to their defense. That was so sad, the little ones watching, and Simeon can't even see what's going on. Then Roof goes after the vixen, and Fatch and Dury are like, No, she's way above your level. Fatch saves Roof, but is ran through in the process. And last, Finbar is the one to engage Foxwolf in the final battle, and it was as the fight starts that I remembered that Finbar wins, but doesn't live. It was a great brawl, though, with a touching death scene and Joseph staying with him until the end. I got a little emotional with each death, and I did book three all in one sitting. I like how the epilogue identifies Dury and Roof as the storytellers. And it's like, the end? Oh yeah, do you want to see Finbar's swords? We were awarded them in the final battle. Guess we could have included that in our story. Kind of weird how there are two other legendary swords in Redwall, and I don't think they appear again in the series. I bet our oracle Katie knows. Anyways, great books. Bye now.